Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. Delighted to be joined by Charlie Edinburgh. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Simon. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. Charlie, you're the founder of the J3 Foundation, which is looking to bring in some new laws, Justin's Law, which we'll talk about as we get into the podcast. But it'd be good for the listeners to get to know you a bit better. So if you can give us a bit of background of what you've been uh, through, where you've worked and how you've got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. No problem at all. So in a nutshell, how I've come to be a founder of, of this foundation. So I tragically lost my father um, last year on the 8th of June. He had a cardiac arrest and I, along with my mother and my sister, came up with the idea that we would love to do all that we could do to keep his legacy and his name going. And we felt that by setting up a foundation in his name, in his name and in his memory and his legacy, we can do some really positive work to try and help save people's lives and prevent others having to endure the same pain that we've we've had to experience as a family. Prior to, to setting up the foundation, I mean, my background, I, I come out of working in, in a recruitment business for around three and a half years. And, and prior to that, I'd had some experience in working as a football agent, linked in quite nicely with, obviously, my dad being involved in the footballing world, firstly as a player and then as a manager. So I was quite fortunate in that regard to work within that field. But I've had a had a variety of different areas that I've worked in um, since sort of leaving school. Um, didn't go to university or anything like that, but just sort of wanted to get out and earn money, really. That was my my drive. That was my motivation. And I, I was lucky enough to secure myself uh, a role up in London for a, a brokerage working um, within the field of equity derivatives. And as I say, took the opportun- opportunity to jump into as I say, an opportunity that I really couldn't turn down and to go and apply my trade within that sort of world of football as a football agent. Very, very tough industry, very cutthroat. And um, it was one of those that, you know, I had a lot of good relationships through dad um, there to attack, but it's just such a tough industry to crack. And it led me to sort of coming away from it, unfortunately, for one reason or another. And as I say, ended up within the world of finance and accounting recruitment before, as I say, this tragic event occurred with dad on the 8th, well, on the 3rd of June last year, and he actually passed away on the 8th of June. And um, it wasn't long after that, that the J3, the Justin Edinburgh Free Foundation was was formed. And um, from then on, I've sort of spearheaded that along with with my mum and my sister working closely with me and, and my amazing group of trustees. So that's the, the story of how I've got to where I am now. Yeah, it's um, a story tainted with, with tragedy, but out of that comes some goodness, we all hope. So uh, an amazing foundation. I know from the football world, there's there's support all around and social media presence, brilliant. The one thing you're aiming for, or the the bit, the first, I suppose, milestone is, is Justine's Law, as, as you're calling it. It'd be good to understand a bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think with with this foundation, obviously we've set it up with Dad at the heart of everything that we do. You know, he's, he's in our minds and in our thoughts with every decision that we make with this foundation and almost a bit, what would he do? But um, Justine's Law is going to be, obviously with the current pandemic, we've had certain restrictions in place 
to prevent us sort of maybe doing some of the work that we would have liked to have already done. But our first thing is obviously to make sure that we secure our charity number. That's very, very close. We're hoping that's not too far away now. Um, and then once we've got that set up, we'll be we'll be campaigning for for Justin's Law. So as I say, my, my father, he was um, training in a gym uh, when he when he had his cardiac arrest and there wasn't actually a defibrillator on site, which in hindsight could have potentially saved his life. Who knows? But there wasn't one there. And at that early sort of stage, when somebody is having cardiac arrest, effective CPR and good shocks of uh, a defibrillator are going to give the person having the trauma the best possible outcome. And um he was unfortunate. He was in a in a gym that wasn't equipped with a defibrillator, and um, you know we've spoken a lot about this as a family and amongst our friendship groups, and just to any people that you know, sort of dad who touched their life, just general conversation about him. And I think when you look at sort of certain security and and safety measures that are in place, the fact that I wasn't aware. Um, I think everybody's a bit naive and that's nobody's fault. We're just not really well educated enough in this sort of thing within this country. So I would have just assumed probably like a lot of the listeners that defibrillators had to be within gyms and sports facilities when they, in fact, they actually don't. And it's quite a bizarre one, really, because it's almost like not having a seatbelt in your car. You know, you're going into these places and some people go in there in some rather unfit states. You know, you go to the gym, you go to do exercise to make yourself fitter, to lose weight, to make better changes to to your physical and, and, and mental health. And to not actually have something like a defibrillator within that facility that could potentially save your life. Because people are pushing their bodies to the limit, right? Um, when you do get somebody who could be quite unfit going in and trying to do something positive and make a difference to themselves for the better, um, and they haven't got that bit of kit there, it could be the, the difference as we found as a family between life and death. And we've looked into it. It's not something that is a legal requirement. So Justin's Law is a campaign which we're going to push to try and get every health and sports facility in the UK. So it doesn't matter what your sport is, whether that's a you know an ice rink, a swimming pool, golf course, um, football ground. We want to make sure that every health and sports facility across the UK is equipped with a defibrillator. We just think that it makes sense that it how it's not already is is beyond me, but it's a change which we can make a positive change and use dad's name and his legacy to create something positive because that's what he was all about. You know, he was a very upbeat and positive man in all walks of life. And um, I think it would be a really fitting way to remember him and, and to keep his legacy going. No, it's amazing. And I, I had the pleasure to play golf with your dad, not very well. And he reminded <laughs> me all the way around at the, the Leighton Orient Golf Day last year. And uh, yeah, it's a day that, that will live long in the memory. And, and it's interesting, that whole piece around defibs, because I, at the time last season, was chairman of our local kids football team, about yeah. 400 kids, 40 odd teams. And wow. it, it made me do a bit of investigation. So our local sports centre where the kids play on a Sunday, the defib was locked in the manager's office. So 
we had we had the kit, but actually, if there'd have been a problem, we were relying on whoever was there to be there. So we then put a lockbox on the wall, and the other venue we inherited didn't have one. So again, one of the first things we did was was got one there, and it's it's not the sexy part of it, if that makes sense, and it's yeah. easy to overlook. Um, but certainly, the FA and uh, some of those organisations related to football have some good grants and schemes that you can you can get into but but like you say it's one of those things that if it's not there yeah um, you only know when you need it yeah absolutely I think you know a lot of headway and improvement has been made around this to be honest with the research that I've done you know I, I remember growing up and not really you know you, it, it's, it's quite strange really until something like this happens to you you don't really sort of stand up and take notice and the amount that I've been able to sort of learn and educate myself on since tragically losing dad it's, it's taught me some invaluable lessons you know um, and skills that I can carry with me moving forward that could potentially save somebody's life but I think yeah as, as I say Another tragic thing that happened, but he was a lucky one who survived. You know, Fabrice Mwamba was probably the first sort of time I've took notice. And, and since then, especially within the world of sport, I do feel that, you know, especially as you mentioned there, local community sides and, and things like that, they are starting. I'm starting to see defibrillators a lot more frequently now. And I don't know whether that's because I just noticed them because of what's happened, but and how long they've been there for. But there's places that I'm sort of, I, I walk past that in our local high street and I never r- realised that there was one there prior to this happening. It's really, really strange. I do think there has been a lot of money invested into getting these essential bits of, of kit out. But as you say, it's about making them accessible. Um, it's all well and good having the the equipment that you need. But if it's locked up in an office or in in a facility which somebody can't get to, it's it's no use to anybody. So, um, of course, with with any sort of defibrillator that we can get into these sorts of venues, we want to make them accessible so that it doesn't matter where, it, whether it's somebody that's inside in the gym or you just need to make it in, in a place. And as I say, that all of these businesses and, and football clubs, sports teams will have sort of safety offices that we can liaise with and, and come to a an agreement on the best place to position them um, so that, as I say, hopefully hopefully people never need to use them. We don't want these bits of kit to ever need to be used, but it just needs to be in places that can get accessibility should something terrible like this happen. Yeah, and the, the latest FA health and safety course or first aid course, sorry, that you have to go in at grassroots, one, one of the new parts of that is they teach you how to use a defib so again for every grassroots coach every three years you've got to update that first aid qualification as part of that they'll all get training on a defib which comes back to make sure you've got a defib that's accessible so it's um it's it's becoming it yeah it's becoming you say i think it's um it's brilliant and i think that that for us again is another sort of area that we are going to look to tap into is just the education around it you know Unfortunately, in this country, we aren't the the best educated around, you know, effective CPR and how to use defibrillator. That's not our fault. It's just it's not in school curriculum. It's it's, it's not something that we are made to learn. And I, I, I'm not saying that it is something that 
everyone's going to want to go out and learn. But I feel that the more people that know how to do it and 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 use the equipment um, can only be beneficial for the whole country. There was stats that I was sort of given not long after Dad's party. I was speaking with um, Thomas Keeble, who was he's one of the top cardiologists in the country, um, who cared for Dad along with his excellent team in the Essex Cardiothoracic Centre when he had his cardiac arrest. And he was sort of saying to us not long after Dad um, passed away, you know, you look at certain parts of the world, Seattle, for example, their survival rate from 50, it is 51%, whereas in this country, it's like around 7, 8% survival rate from a cardiac arrest. So you can just see the significance, um, the significant difference because places like Seattle, they have the education and training there and um, they teach it in schools. And that's something, again, that, that the JE3 Foundation wants to help and, and fund is, is education. You know, we've, we've been, um, involved in a brilliant incentive set up by a guy called Bill Toff, again, another top man in his field. And uh, he's launched uh, across Leicester, uh, Leicestershire, Heartwires UK. And um, that's now being rolled out across Essex as well by Bill Toff and by um, Thomas Keeble um, and Jay Free Foundation. We was actually invited to attend the, the launch event of um, Heartwise, which is a fantastic way for the the children in uh, senior schools across Essex to be educated in CPR and, and how to use defibrillators, and that's going to help generate um, potentially a, a new breed of of lifesavers, if you will, because that there is going to be taught to year ten and year eleven pupils in in senior schools and. Hopefully they take something away from it. They learn a, a new skill that, you know, should they ever see somebody unfortunately take a turn for the worst in front of them, that they have the confidence, they have the knowledge to to potentially save somebody's life with, you know, effective CPR and um, good effective shocks from a defibrillator. So a great thing, again, to be involved with. And as you say, I think it's just more about people understanding and educating themselves and and that's another area which we really really want to help and push so the the foundation's got off to an amazing start there's been you know some amazing work you guys have done and the family and some of the the people that were close to justin and in the, the whole football and, and out of football world how are you managing the kind of administration of a foundation versus delivering the maximum benefit to those people that contribute do you know what it's um Everybody who has got involved, whether that's somebody who's taking it upon themselves to do their own bit of fundraising. I mean, myself, my mum and my sister, we've got an amazing family friendship network surrounded us anyway. But obviously with the foundation, we've got an unbelievable team of trustees. When we selected those, we were very mindful. There was Honestly, this is no exaggeration. There was a there was hundreds of people that we could have asked to have been a trustee, but we were very careful in selecting a mixture of people that obviously meant a lot to Dad. Because as I say, we're keeping Dad at the heart of every decision that we make, but also with different skill sets, you know. And and you and you talk there about making the most and and how do you make that cost effective? I mean, all of my trustees are, are giving up their time um, and their effort. For, for for no cost and 
that for me and my family and my mum and my sister is such a comforting thing to know that dad meant so much to to people that they're prepared to give up their time when called upon and any help or support that they can be to make this foundation the success that we we all want it to be that they're prepared to to go above and beyond you know and of course there's there's things along the way where you know I think one thing that I've learned from certain people that I've spoken to that have been successful in setting up charities and raising significant funds is with with a foundation with a charity you you can't be sort of shy in asking for people to to give what they can for for little or nothing you know and um it's hard because I, I I I don't like to see people's hard work go unnoticed without some sort of reward and you know I appreciate people's work and efforts comes at a cost but some of the people that have given up their time and efforts to make the foundation what it is so far from the logo being created you know Alex Chappell who um, created the J3 foundation logo I, I know the work that goes into something like that the design getting it all sort of packaged together so that we can use it on different social media platforms and all of that sort of, he gave all of that work up for absolutely nothing. And that's just out of the goodness of his heart and wanting to to give something back to, to us because he he knew and, and, and felt the pain that we was going through. And that's the sort of thing that, you know, so far has, has been so touching and rewarding about doing this work is how many good people there are in the world and just how many people want to just do something out of the goodness and the generous like generosity of their own heart and own spare time it's 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 really really touching and um something that we're we're really really grateful of and what role do businesses play because clearly there's lots of individual donations from lots of the fans of all the clubs that justin's played for and managed throughout the three years and all of the um people that have interacted with him but is there also a focus on getting businesses on board that can drive bigger momentum absolutely absolutely look we're we're by no means the finished article you know and we we want to be associated we want to be affiliated with businesses and and any organization that can add benefit add value and help spread our message and and what it is that we're trying to achieve and I feel that that is only going to be beneficial to our campaign with Justin's Law. You know, the more people that we have on side, whether that is, you know, your local businesses or even some of, you know, your larger organisations of this world and the more sort of higher profile you can you can make something like a foundation is only going to be beneficial. I, I spoke the other day to on another podcast about, you know, how unfortunately for some people they they have this great idea of, setting up a foundation or a charity and it sort of falls off of a cliff just purely down to not maybe having and by the way I'm by no means an expert and I'm learning all the time this is it's really strange dad's teaching me lessons without actually being here and he's giving me a whole new skill set but with my trustees and their backgrounds I'm picking their brains and getting their their skill set and and sort of saying right how can we how can we do this better how can we maximize this opportunity and um 
for example, we're, we're looking at ways in which at the moment, obviously, with the current pandemic, how can we look to be seen to be doing something? And I think, you know, we're, we're in conversations at the moment with sort of St John's Ambulance who cover the whole of the football grounds in the UK when it comes to first aid and, and ambulance care on, on match days. And obviously football being such a big part of dad's life, we just felt by making that sort of initial approach to them around about the potential of supplying defibrillators to places that need them moving forward. So they're the sorts of things, as, you, as I say, you know, there's been plenty of businesses and plenty of people that have come forward that, as I say, just want to help and, and want to get our message out there and really see the good in what it is that we're trying to achieve with with the J3 Foundation. So, yeah, as I say, picking the brains of all of my trustees, you know, We've got some excellent people on board, some really, really successful business people and some really successful athletes and other other industries. We, that's why we selected such a wide sort of scope of, of people, um, because they all bring something different. And we feel that that's what's going to make us successful, along with, you know, everybody's generosity and support that obviously, as I say, it's not just our trustees, our family, our friends, and and just the general people. It's 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 crazy how many people have got in in touch and, and wanted to help. And I think with the the economic outlook is pretty grim because there's a lot of money to pay back for what's happened with lockdown. So, how are you thinking about donations being a priority for people, or or keeping that in the top five of their priorities? Is Potentially, there's going to be a lot more unemployment. People yeah. are going to be tightening the belt. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think ultimately this pandemic, nobody really envisaged it. I certainly didn't ever feel that this would be something that would happen in my lifetime. But I think, you know, we can only do our best. And ultimately, you know, for us, it's it's a case of just making sh- effective use of the funds that we've raised so far you know we we really have raised some amazing funds um without really doing a great deal you know because as i say we we set this foundation up shortly after my dad's passing we gave it sort of we we, we announced it some sort of 10 15 days after but it wasn't probably until sort of mid late august that we really sort of started getting our teeth into it and I think we haven't really done a great deal other than we had the we had an inaugural charity gala dinner in December for for Dad. It would have been his fiftieth birthday, and we're looking to make that an annual event. And that event alone raised just shy of two hundred thousand, which is massive, massive amount of money for for us. If if somebody had said to me in your in your first year that you would earn two. 200 grand nearly from from an event I would have I would have snapped their hand off and said you, you're crazy but <laughs> that along with you know we're up to nearly 60,000 now on, a, on our just giving page that's like look at that in a year that's nearly a, like a quarter of a million quid and that yep. really really can be used effectively we do feel as I say we're not going to be shy to to ask for people's help that's what foundations and charities are about you know we we ask for people to support us and to get behind us purely down to the fact we are looking to do something which is going to benefit the the whole the whole country. You know, it, it can only be good. It can only be beneficial to everybody. 
Um, no matter what your background, where you come from, if you go into the gym or you go in to play your, your, your sport, whatever that is, and you can walk in there and, and know that you're safe, I just think it makes sense. And, and it would be something that I would definitely want to want to get involved with and, and behind. So um, different sort of initiatives we're coming up with, obviously, we launched at the start of this week the the J three mile, um, which has really we've seen already. That's been going. This is the third day of that now, and the the the, the amount of donations we've had just across three days has has been incredible, you know. And that gives me so much um, belief and and drive that we will come out of the other side of this grim sort of economic climate at the moment because if people are prepared to sort of put their hand in their pocket and, and donate to the calls um, right now, I, I can see us, you know, continuing to to strive and be positive and, and, you know, look to really, really make a difference to people. But yeah, initiatives like the J3 mile um, and, and different sort of ideas that we're sort of brainstorming um, as a, as a, as a group of trustees, there's, there's lots of things that we can do and, and we back ourselves to come out of the other side of it in a, in a positive and, and yeah, making, making a change to people's lives. That's what we're doing this for. Amazing. Yeah. And we, we had a table at the gala dinner, great night. So look forward to the, the next ones when we're allowed out to play again. Absolutely. Um, so, so lots of exciting stuff to come by the sounds of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, um, there's, there's hopefully something, I, I can't give too much away, but there's there's hopefully something in the not too distant future that would be happening to sort of mark the the one year anniversary. As I say, dad dad tragically lost his life on the 8th of June. So that's, uh, that's next Monday. Um, so hopefully in and around that time, we'll be making uh, a significant announcement. Keep your eyes and ears peeled. Good. And if people want to find you, Charlie, what's the best way for them to contact you to talk more about the foundation yeah. or make donations? Absolutely. So um, the we've, we're, we're across Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So um, our Twitter and Instagram handle is at JE3Foundation um, and on Facebook it's uh, Justin Edinburgh 3 Foundation. And links to make donation are in the bios of, of all of those uh, platforms. There's a Just Giving link there which you can follow um, to, to make a, a donation. Once we've got our charity number, it will be a lot easier for people to donate. We're going to get sort of text donate and stuff like that all set up. So it's a lot quicker and more efficient for people to make a donation if they wish. And as I say, I, I can't I can't say thank you enough to everybody who has got behind us as a family um, during the most difficult of, of times, um, but has... Even if it was 10 pence, one pound, every donation that's been made and every fundraising effort has gone a long way to helping us achieve what I feel is a, is a really good step in the right direction. I feel that we've, you know, we've got the name out there now. People are aware of JE3 Foundation and um, people are wearing the badges now. You can obviously purchase them as well for our website, www.je3foundation.org. You can go on there and, and make a donation. We'll send out pin badges to you just to help another way of spreading awareness, you know. In some respects, we're still very, very early on in our journey and, and what we set out to achieve. But we feel 
um, that we're we're making great strides to to making a difference and doing Dad's legacy, the world of good, and saving lives and giving back to people. I totally agree with that. I think you've done an amazing job in what's been a difficult twelve months for you and the family and everybody associated. So yeah, hats off to you. I know I know those times are difficult. I've been through it myself, but um, yeah, amazing, remarkable, well done. Thank well you done. very much indeed, Simon. I appreciate it. So we'll put a link to the just giving page in when we publish a podcast so we make it easy for people to click on and, and donate so final question then and we're asking everybody that comes on the podcast maybe let's relate this one to the foundation so since you started the foundation what's the best bit of business advice you've been given oh that's a good one best bit of business advice that i've been given since we've started the foundation i would probably say there was a there was a lady i've been fortunate enough to meet so Ross Ross Embleton, who obviously is the Leighton Orient manager, his brother Rich Embleton introduced me to a lady called Lorraine O'Brien. She's been a part of some amazing, amazing fundraising and charity work throughout her life. And she she actually sat in on our first ever J3 Foundation trustee meeting. And she really opened my eyes to what we could potentially achieve and um strive towards. And the, the the one bit of business advice that she's given me, and I've already mentioned it on this, is she said to me, don't be shy to ask people for anything. And whether that's support, advice, um, guidance, but ultimately it sounds wrong, but for, for a charity, it's for, for people's donations. We, we need people's donations. And I'm a bit, in my life, I've, I've not really liked to, to ask people for things you know I've always tried to find a way of working it out myself and obviously I tap into to my parents and their brains on certain things but don't be don't be scared to to try and um, ask people for advice you you don't always have the answer so actually networking with people delegating certain tasks can often um, give give the best results that would be the the one bit of advice that I've taken so far in in the past year. Amazing. I'm sure it'll stand you well in the future as well. Charlie, it's been it's been honest of you. Some some interesting insight as well. Um really appreciate your time and thanks for coming on. No problem, Simon. Thank you for having me on.